Welcome to the Better Together Life podcast. A full-time family building a Texas homestead from scratch. All right, you guys, I want to give you a little bit of an introduction to this episode. In today's episode, Kelly and I were actually stuck recording our episode in our car. The backstory of this is with us having a pseudo tiny house, we ended up getting a babysitter and we needed to go find a place to record our episode. And the library that we have in our small tiny town does not have any kind of like, you know, conference rooms or anything. So uh, we were, we just winged it and we recorded the episode in our car. But it's a really good one of us talking about the pros and cons of buying raw land. And before we jump into the episode, I want to always make sure that you are able to get the resources that we have. The first one is don't forget to download our income expense reports, which you can find at bettertogetherlife.com slash report. And my second, not really a resource, but it is an announcement on Saturday, August 10th. Saturday, August 10th, Kelly and I, we have the kids, they're going to the grandparents, and it's just going to be Kelly and I, and we wanted to take advantage and do our very first meetup. This is going to be cool, you guys, so it's going to be in Hutto, Texas. We're trying to make it sort of central to wherever, you know, people in the central Texas area are able to make it, so if you're in Austin, you can make it. Or if you want to drive up or drive down from either Houston or Dallas, then that's a decent little spot to meet. So it's going to be Hutto, Texas. Not really sure the exact location. We're going to look that up. But I'll actually put a link for an Eventbrite link that you can RSVP because we would be good to know who all is wanting to come. And we just want to be able to see you guys. We want to, want to be able to meet y'all. So this is really cool. We are going to be doing this neat thing called Diamond Club with our doTERRA business. So if you're interested in oils, we can be able to talk to you about that and be able to give you some amazing freebies that will only happen at events like this. It's not only going to be talking about oils. We're going to be talking about our homestead. We're going to be talking about the animals and all that cool stuff. But if you have been on the fence about getting oils, this will be a perfect time for you to get the oils that you want. All right, let's go ahead and get started talking about pros and cons of purchasing raw land. The funny thing is, like, no one's going to know we're in the car, so... Are we not going to tell them that we're in the car? Maybe we should. I think that we should, because that's what is funny. Yeah. Because this is what it's like whenever you... Live in a small house. With four kids in the country. And the youngest is two. Yeah, you go to the library and then you record a (laughs) podcast... In the small town of 5,000, in your car, and every old lady that comes by looks at us and like, who are those weird yuppies? So, welcome everybody, and today we are talking about raw land. My wife Kelly loves raw land. I think I have a, I think I have a land purchasing addiction, but I don't get to feed it, so that's the problem. (laughs) You have addiction. As soon as we bought the property, I was like, I want all the properties and all the deals. And now, four years later, I have the one property and the one deal. So are you gonna learn? let me learn how to do wholesale land buys? I feel like we should just figure out how to take care of chickens first. We should, that's probably a better idea. 
giving the chickens the watermelon yesterday was the cutest thing I have ever seen. It was like a punch bowl, and it they is. were all sticking their faces in it at the same time. Well, it's in this morning. It was still a punch bowl, <laughs> and it's still full of liquid. So I'm sure that they went back there. Maybe that's what we can do when we go out of town: is we can just <laughs> cut two watermelons. Uh, watermelons and just let them eat that, so that they'll at least have some sort of liquid. Totally hydrated chickens. Let's talk about raw land. We are going to go over my favorite type of list is pros and cons i know i really do like pros and next cons. next to a spreadsheet i think pros and cons it's, i'm like jam. uh jim on the office whenever he and michael were co-managers <laughs> and they were trying to solve a problem and he jim wanted to do a pros and cons list i'm more of a jim i don't think pros and cons spot. lists ever work out in movies or tv shows Someone always finds out about it and then gets mad. So you guys know that we purchased our property totally raw. Like when we were finding it, there was no septic, no electric, no water, no nada. I don't even think there was a little shack or anything on it. It was just straight up land. So this is from our perspective. There wasn't even a road. <laughs> That's true. Like you couldn't, there wasn't you a couldn't driveway. Get up onto the property. Yes. Oh gosh, it's been so long. So this is our perspective as actual raw land owners and how we purchased it and what we would do differently. Yes. I have a feeling like as we talk, we're going to have more cons than pros that are just off off script of our outline here. But if you're in the position of purchasing your first property and thinking, oh yeah, like if you're a wide-eyed dreamer and you think, yes, I can make all the things happen. You are the Willy Wonka of raw land design. Maybe this will shed some light on it for you. Here are some good things that we really liked about purchasing our property and figuring out where things would go, what they would look like, and what function they would serve. So the best thing about the raw land is that it is a blank canvas. You can decide exactly where your home goes, what the garden looks like. And the cool thing about it is there's usually nothing around you because other people, if you're in an area like ours, purchased raw land as well. So they've also made it their own and there's just no cookie cutter in that. I think that's really appealing to have neighbors who are doing their own thing. And when you drive down your road, it's not going to look like everybody else's. Like our neighbor? With all the stuff in the front yard. You know, when you get outside of an HOA, you just got to shift those expectations for we what have, your neighbor's yards are going to look like. We have a neighbor like. that has a Jurassic Park Jeep yeah. parked in front of their house, and they haven't... I don't think it's driven in six years. I think there's things it. growing over oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. So you can make it exactly what you mm-hmm. want. That's, you know, that could be its own pro and con in there of... Mm-hmm. It takes a little while in order to think about what you want. But, you know, for us, we were able to look at the sun exposure and we have a, you know, it's our, our shed to house is, you know, it's a long shed. So it's 16 by 48. So we were able to run it on the 48th side. Kelly's laughing at me <laughs> as people are looking at us as we're recording this in the car. We are able to run it in the long side by facing south. So we were able to kind of take a little bit of sun exposure uh, opportunities with that. You definitely wouldn't want to run a very long shotgun style house like that to where one side of your house is facing west mm-hmm. because that would just make it in the entire house incredibly hot. 
I think this too, a lot of properties that we looked at had homes just in like a picturesque position on the property. So it wasn't necessarily designed for the way the property would flow water or the elevation of it. It was A lot of properties are just designed with this house at the top so that it has a great view and not necessarily paying attention to the efficiency of the house. That was a huge bonus for us to be able to design it like you're saying so that when the sun is up, we're not getting the hottest part of the sun at the time we're cooking in the yep. middle of the day or at nighttime. It's just not over our kitchen. So that's a big benefit for us. Especially here in Texas. And something else I love about it, if you guys have seen our house, you know that we have a huge porch on the front and back side of the house. That keeps our house really cool. It's mm-hmm. like we have 10 to 12 feet of almost insulated space yeah. where we're not catching the sun through the windows and that really cools our house as well. So I think that's a big pro and it may seem small, but if you've never built like us, this was a big get for us to have a victory in this very small way, but making a, a design that actually worked was beautiful for us because it's stressful enough to live in an unfinished house while you're finishing it. So alleviating that stress of now we're in the thick of summer in Texas and we see Mm -hmm. that design actually worked. Well, and with this, you can build it your own. You can also go slow in building it your own, which means that you can observe the land and really just make sure that you're not going to make type one errors, which is basically an error that you can't ever undo. Like basically where we put our septic system. If that's the wrong place, that is a type one error. Right. It's going to be, ah, it's not that type one, but it's pretty It's pretty close. We're not going to move that. Like a type one error is a mountain. You're not going to change a mountain or anything, or you're not going to change the government. If you have <laughs> faith, you can move that mountain. <laughs> I've heard so many people that move into, like there was this one uh, guy, he, uh, many of y'all know of him, Nick Ferguson. I think he talked about an older, like in a gener- multi-generational family home that he was living in. And in this one spot, they created this household, like this V-shaped porch. And that V-shaped porch, the opening of the V faces uphill, which means that when it rains, it creates just a pond, a lake right at their doorway. And so that is very apparent that the people that started building the house, they really, they just did it. They didn't they didn't observe what is going to happen with the water whenever it rains. So you can go, you can build it the way you want. You can go slow and you can eliminate any kind of errors. Cause like us, we, we just have the house right now and you know, we're able to really go slow of where we're going to put our next building, either another, either a, an external storage shed or a barn or something like that. We can really go slow and make it, put it exactly where it needs to be. Besides where you want to put your buildings, you can place in very specific, well thought out spots, your electric lines and your water lines and your septic. Mm -hmm. So if you just are locked into having these things underground and you wanna do some kind of fancy earthworks or something, you're kind of stuck, you can't do much. Being if you have underground electric and water and septic, those things, they're not gonna change that. So by being able to put those utilities in the spot where you want them. Then let me ask you this. What about searching for that property? Because you can't just observe all the properties that you're looking at before you purchase it. But how do you make the best choice to actually purchase raw property? 
Well, that will be on another podcast uh-huh. of a property purchase checklist. But basically, you kind of do the same thing. For us, what we needed to do is hire an expert. Mm-hmm. So we hired Pete Van Dyke of Droughtproof Texas, and that was the best thing that we were able to do because whenever he saw it, he could visualize with his experience everything that we could do with the property. And he once even said for our property that this was his favorite piece of property that he has ever mm-hmm. worked on because of just it's just a really neat little space it has a it has some gentle slope to where you can move water from one part of the property to the other we'll, we'll go over that in another podcast episode of how you actually purchase land and the things that you make sure that you want to do and hint water is a huge one okay the second pro for buying raw land is that you can usually get that piece of property cheaper. Yeah, cheaper than if you have a building and a pond and established property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, cheaper than that and cheaper with taxes. So you, of course, you get what you pay for. Uh, Be leery of, you know, 40 acres for $1,000 in West Texas. (laughs) That's that's not good property, people. Yeah, don't go sight unseen. Yes, that's really a fast one is you can... Of course, it makes sense. You can buy it cheaper. Mm-hmm. The third one is going to be that you can more easily build your homestead with cash. If there's already a house and an outbuilding and a couple of sheds and a, a chicken coop and an, an already you know established pond there, most of the people in America are going to need to get a mortgage for mm-hmm. that. You're not just going to go mm-hmm. drop... Two hundred to four hundred thousand dollars in cash. Mm-hmm. Some of you might, and that's awesome. It's a pro with getting raw land because you can save up money in order to do that. So for us, probably I would say eighty percent of this all has been in cash, and then by the end of this year, we will be able to pay off all of the debt in regarding our kitchen because we made our kitchen awesome. We love it, and we did a bridge loan for that, so we we're able. To- I like how he's like really emphasizing how much he loves the kitchen because you are totally like. Okay, Kelly, you get whatever kitchen you want, even if it makes us take out a little bit of debt. (laughs) Well, uh, because we had raw land, we were able to pay for it for a couple of years uh, before we actually moved there. We were able to go slower by selling our house. The thing with us, in terms of our kitchen, we, we were able to live in this space for a couple of months before we were able to get some of these nicer amenities in our house. Well, but I think this too, someone said, um, start with what you got, like just go cheap and make it happen and then get fancy later. And I think we've been able to do that because it gave us the things you just talked about. It gave us time to figure out really what do we want? Where do we want to put it? And what function will it serve? And sometimes... Like you just need something to serve a function of like being beautiful. <laughs> like like two toilets? Yeah, two toilets is more than um, a beautiful function. <laughs> that is function function. But like a really great shaped couch that is more than just the fancy kids cot that was sitting in that corner. I mean, the steps from day one to almost we are on day probably like 260 now. We've really gone far in a short period of time, but it was step by step. So I think buying the property raw gave us freedom to do that without feeling overwhelmed or a lot of urgency to meet contractor deadlines or pull up enough capital to justify moving here. I think that was a lot of freedom for us. 
Now we're going to go over the cons. I think this will kind of... take me to all the things that suck (laughs) about buying raw property. (sighs) Okay, so you will always... I think you only make pros and cons lists so you can get to the cons. You're like, I'll get through the pros just because I have to to make people feel good. But I really want to focus on what's so hard. I think people learn... On the what not to do. Yes. It's easy to be able to hear from Joel Salatin about how to raise pastured poultry for profit it's you can learn a lot of mistakes of what not to do whenever you learn it from Bo Brotherton that's true because he will screw everything up and no I'm not, not going to do my own not research fair. I got to learn on the job that is not true you are such a liar <laughs> okay so let's go about the cons because no matter how deep we go in these cons of what we you know have learned and pulled our t- hair and our teeth out of for building on raw land if we had to do it again, I think we would still do it, especially for this property. Now, for our second, if we ever move and we do this again, probably not. If we had to do this same thing again, we would do it. But if we did it a second time, I think we would not do raw land. The number one thing about doing this on raw land is you will always pay more for your buildings and infrastructure than if it was already there. Mm-hmm. Not to say that real estate and houses and buildings are going to go down in value like a car will but you're just always going to pay more whenever you build it new when someone takes out a mortgage and puts a house there and then they do outbuildings you know especially if they do like ponds and stuff like that they're gonna pay top dollar you know uh, full retail value for those structures but then whenever they sell it, they have to sell it for whatever the market brings. You're just going to pay more. And so that's the bad thing for us. Having to do that, we're doing it, you know, slower because we have to pay full retail value for any of these buildings that we want. I think that also made our decision process much more intentional than if I just walked into a house and I was like, oh, I love these floors and oh, I could, you know, repaint this wall or whatever. I had to prioritize what was most important so that if everything went belly up, we would still not be belly up as a family. Like Mm -hmm. if we had to get the heck out of Dodge because we hated everything about this or anything should happen, putting in the right things in the right order meant our value for the property would increase. Yes. And if we had to get out, we would have a fair exchange instead of just like, oh, now we're going to put in this huge garden and we're going to take on all these animals that wouldn't yield us a profit as quickly as if we had to switch out our living situation. So if something were to go wrong right now because we've put in our city electric and water and because we've put in a septic tank, we know that every dollar we put in first was going to yield us a profit. Totally, yeah. If whoever is going to, either whether we're going to stay here forever or not, this property has risen in value 100% for, not 100% in the value, but for every dollar that we put in for water, electric, and septic, mm-hmm. we're going to get that money back. Right. That's it, because no matter what, someone would have to do that. Mm-hmm. And we put it in a very good spot for this property. Yeah. So we really thought that through. So that is a good thing that we were able to do. Yeah, it, that's but- true. For example, if we put our house toward the back of the property, it would have cost a lot more to run all of those mm-hmm. utilities to the house. And someone might not have been 
willing to pay that price it's in like the a pool. exchange. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, some pe- true. It, it adds value to some people and it doesn't add value to other people. So mm-hmm. it definitely lowers your buying. Yeah, I think the market. word the word is calculated risk mm-hmm. or the phrase. Yeah. You know, every dollar you put into your raw land is a calculated risk versus especially when we were looking at like our, our property value in Katy before we moved. It was like, okay, our house is kind of mm-hmm. decent. We don't need to do any real upgrades. And if we did, maybe it would bring us some more on the market. Maybe it wouldn't. But with this, we know for sure everything we put in at the beginning was going to be a very specific calculated risk and it was only going to be done if it yielded profit in the end okay so the second con is going to be utilities and sewage (laughs) is crazy expensive we were just talking about that who knew poo costs so much oh my goodness gracious (laughs) so that's the biggest one i think our septic system was eight thousand dollars so we made that video i spent thirty thousand dollars in two months yeah i hope that septic tank was in that it was okay good that was why it was that so was, it was that septic and and uh well yeah that was septic and our eleven thousand dollar deck it was Decks. a very expensive 60 days and and at the moment, it's the jaw-dropping thought of, holy cow, we really did that. And then, like, the gratitude of, thank you, Lord, that we mm-hmm. had the finances set up from the sale of our house to be able to put that down in cash. You're going to have to pony up some money for that. One thing I would say, the good thing is if you have raw land, you can choose to put it closer to the road. Hopefully, you purchase correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe this video, maybe this podcast should go out after property purchase checklist. I think that's for sure. So, uh, so as you've seen, so you probably already listened to the property purchase checklist. Um, I'll put the episode right here. Then you will be able to kind of know that you purchased the right property for things like that. So basically meaning that you can lower your utility costs the closer you put it to the road and that's for electric and water for septic tank you can't you're not going to do that you're just going to it's just so expensive that's why some people think oh i'm just going to go composting toilet good luck if you have children all i'm going to say is there's a lot of merit to the off-grid lifestyle and for a while at the beginning of our channel people were super confused about why we would want water and electric when we could do solar and harvest our own water and the reality was just this we wanted to enjoy living here Mm -hmm. and to do that those amenities needed to be in place a lot sooner than what we would be willing to wait for to dig a well or something like that and and in honesty some of those things are very difficult to assess before you move to a property off-grid lifestyle the bulk of people that do it end up get going back on grid. Isn't that funny? It's it, well, it's not funny. Maybe it's, maybe it's this just, the bulk of people who do it that you know of, like yes. YouTubers and podcasters, their off-grid yeah. lifestyle is either a vacation, like mm-hmm. a space that they can go to to unplug, um, which also has tons of benefits for like an Airbnb yes. rental property. People want to unplug, so that's awesome. But for a long stint with many children, this was just not even a desire for us. And off-grid for us here in Texas, that was just never an option. There's some people that do it. 
I don't know it? why. I mean, well, actually, there's, there's. I mean, for you who we know and we love y'all, we're you know friends with you guys in our area. Off grid is amazing for y'all, and what you said very you know many times is we don't have children. So who um, are you talking about? Our neighbors who were off grid. Oh, I see what you're saying. So for us, off grid would not work. We needed heat would, and AC. It's just we we needed. Off-grid. I would say more specifically, if you're a family listening to this, don't feel like you have to go off grid in order to make this successful. And if you're considering off grid, really weigh out those worst days that you have yep. before you go to that. And in my worst days, I considered. Ooh, what is it like when six people have the stomach bug? Or what is it like when we've all got to go to the bathroom at the same time? Or what is it like when you haven't had a hot shower because something cut off? So we just did our best to make living here enjoyable because we really do want to make it the long haul. And if this first year had been hard, um, it would have been real easy to quit. Mm -hmm. It's actually been pretty, pretty cake. Honestly, we're just, we're just enjoying the summer in the nice, cool AC. We're and sitting to, on our couch. We are having to figure out schedule and routine, though, because it's so tempting to never leave the property. I love it. I love it <laughs> until I've realized, like, oh, I haven't been to the grocery store in a week, or oh, we haven't left for anything but church in the last two Baby, weeks. Baby, I will take all four kids today to Costco so that you can have some time alone. I vote yes. All right. All right. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Okay. So the third one is going to be raw land can be harder to get a lender Mm. if that's something that you need. There's no collateral there. So a lender, a mortgage lender, is going to know that raw land is harder to sell Mm -hmm. than it is if there's a house on it with utilities already, which is... That's what it's the the risk reward that you're talking mm-hmm. about is if you buy raw land just as a investment property, it's you there's a smaller amount of people that you're going to attract to be able to buy that property. And most likely if you're buying raw land, you're trying to get out of the city, which lowers that market for you to be able to sell that as well. So if you need to get a lender for raw land, it's going to be a little bit tougher for you to get a loan on just the raw land. Probably what they'll want you to do is to put a big down payment and you know sign a lot of your life away and they want to see a house be built there. You a know, standard, a, a very typical house, con- uh, traditional home. Not something weird right. like a tiny house or a yurt or a shed to house or yeah. anything like that. Something marketable. Yeah, I would say at very least they're going to want a barndominium type of, you know, metal building structure. I think the con also that we haven't mentioned yet is the emotional purchase. Like Mm. the dreamer who sees the raw land and and thinks, I can do this, that, and the other. Y'all, there's an entire show dedicated to homestead rescuing because people have gotten such wide-eyed dreams and then lacked what we're going to talk about in the next homestead con on raw land is lacking the skill to make it happen. Yeah. So that's the very last con on buying raw land. It, well, let's hold on. Let's go back to the emotional thing because okay. I agree that raw land at a lower price point, you can get quote, I got mm-hmm. emotionally attached to this property. Sure. By the grace of God, we lucked out by not buying a bad piece of property. 
I did a lot of research beforehand and I was able to make sure that this was a decent one. And with Pete, we were able to know that this is a, whether we moved there or not, it was a good investment property, no matter what we did. But yes, I messed up and I got emotionally attached. And I remember throwing my notebook across the room whenever we were trying to figure out if we were going to be able to afford it or not. And we, we somehow did, <laughs> and sorry, babe, <laughs> getting emotionally attached with raw land. But if you have a house there, that price goes way up. And I think it's probably a little bit hard. I would hope that it's harder to get emotionally attached to a, a land and a house than just raw land. Because you think the possibilities are endless on raw land. Right. And the finances aren't. Yes. So that's important for someone considering raw land. It's not, I'm not talking to the realtor here. I'm talking about the person who lives in the city or the suburbs or you know, has never, has never been outside of their little piece of pie and they find this property and they imagine the farmhouse that will be there. They imagine all the animals and how, you know, they'll live off the land and it's a great idea, but raw means straight up raw guys. It means flavorless. It means structureless. It means no amenity. And anything that you want to enjoy there, like roughing it and camping it is cute, but not for life. And especially if you're in a relationship and you're doing this thing, this will rub you. It will be the most difficult thing that you have to do. And we had money. Yep. So doing it from a position that's just emotional is easy to get in over your head. So I hate to use this and say that it, it's a downer to buy raw land because I don't think that it is. I really think that it just takes the visionary to see it. And then it takes the work to put it out on paper, to plan everything that can go wrong, to weigh the risks and the rewards. And for us, the rewards have been tremendous, mm -hmm. but the risks were also very high. And I think in life, that's just how we play. If we're going to make any risk and you expect mean the Brothertons. Our, yeah, like if we're going to make a risk, the reward is going to have to be there, but it's always going to be proportionate. And if it's small, sometimes it's not even worth the risk if the reward is small. But if <laughs> if the reward's going to be big, we're usually all in to go after something big. Okay, so as the wife, talk about that skill yeah, set. Like that we of, don't have well, it. Yeah, of what yeah. you or what you saw. <laughs> And are seeing sure, I think what you saw in the beginning in terms of our skill set and what you're seeing now whenever we have some comfort. Yeah, as YouTubers, even as YouTubers, YouTube makes you think that you can do anything. <laughs> and then as real life first gen homesteaders, we realize we cannot do everything. No. And everything not only will take longer, but things just flat out won't get done mm -hmm. unless you have the skill, manpower, and time. And I think without those three magical ingredients. Energy. Even that, man, if you have the skill, if you have the energy and the time, like those three together get the job done. Without even one of those things, you are set back. I mean, we had the energy, we had the time, but no skill on most of these yeah. things. Even way back in suburbia when we had our disposal break and you fix the disposal and we were like, victory, we're going to be the best homesteaders. <laughs> then when we're here, we realize even the small things, the systems of how efficient can we become in getting morning chores done? Mm -hmm. That's significant 
in the battle of surviving on your raw land because it takes a lot of energy and it can become frustrating when you're not mastering these skills. Mm -hmm. So bite size made sense to us. If you don't have the skills, make sure you have the people in your pocket who do maximize that social capital to say, you're my buddy. I'd love for you to work on this with me. Would you give me a weekend of your time here? And plan those out, map them accordingly, because at the beginning, it can be a straight cluster of people who have to come out to fix certain things to set up for the next contractor to come. And that was challenging, to say the least, at the beginning of our homestead build. Yeah, I would say most people that are going to go this route are going to take the tactic of being their own general contractor. Right. That is a skill itself besides yeah. just, yes. you know, learning how to frame or do pl- your own plumbing mm-hmm. or electric. That is a skill of just being able to organize all of these subcontractors. Yeah. And specifically in the right order. Like it's great to have the names and the numbers and have an idea of when they're going to come, but they're all working on their own schedules. And then in some cases, like our septic, we're even subject to weather. So if they can't dig... And the next thing you need to do depends on the septic being installed. Then you've delayed yourself again. So there are these things that a flexible spirit is important. And then keeping the end game in mind for your raw property, I think is a requirement. Without keeping that vision right in front of you of where you're going, you're going to hit not the first or second pothole along the way, but you're going to hit the 17th pothole and you're going to be like, F this. I'm done because you're either out of money, you're out of time, or you just can't take it anymore because it can be really discouraging without knowing how valuable what the end goal will be. How is it going right now? So we've just painted all of the pros and cons. We've been here for eight months. We've been developing raw land for over a year now, Mm -hmm. intensely over a year. We've been developing this property since 2015. Since we bought it. Yeah. So how are we doing is the question. How are you doing? I think we're in a sweet spot right now. I think the infrastructure for the house is there. It makes it livable for our kids. They can do a lot of things now. The youngest is a little bit older. There is a lot of contribution. I think we've come together as a team. So again, there's like this whole unexpected part where you can have a lot of hope, but if you're also not a problem solver, then you're kind of stuck in a rut when it comes to this. We are definitely a family with lots of hope and we're used to solving problems like together Mm -hmm. where our family knows we're a team. We talk about that all the time, even when things are going hard and we're like, dude, are you being part of the team right now? Because I don't feel like you're being part of the team right now. And then celebrating along the way has been helpful. I remember one week when we began, I think we'd been here three or four months and I was like, we just need to go. And in the middle of the day, we got out of our house, out of our property, and we went to a small town nearby and got coffee and ice cream. And it was just like, yeah, we needed to celebrate after months of being in the pit of just keeping our heads down and working really hard. That's the problem solver in us. So I would say we're in a sweet spot coming up on a year of living here. A lot of those things on the checklist are done. 
And now it's on to the fun things that the visionary had in mind at the beginning where it was like, oh, and this is what this spot can look like. And this is what we could do here. And wouldn't it be great to have our friends all sitting around here? This would be amazing. We could teach people about how to grow this their first time or even things like we're doing right now on the podcast. There's actually brain space and time space to do that because we're not putting out fires. But there are a lot of fires to put out. So it's nice to be in a sweet spot Mm -hmm. and see each other. And like talk and not just be in the middle of project after project. We can finally see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel for the house built. Oh, yeah. And getting some systems done with the animals that we'll share. But yeah, I I feel good. I feel like it's getting better. Yeah, I'd say 10 out of 10. Yay. That's great. Especially if you're taking the kids to the store. (laughs) I feel really good. Okay, guys, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. Please don't forget to download our income expense report. And if you're in the Texas, Austin area, please go ahead and come and check us out on Saturday the 10th. And remember, guys, we are better together because you are here. So please, we are brand new at this whole podcast thing. So we need you to go and review us on iTunes. That's the only way that iTunes will know to be able to promote us and help us find more people to be able to listen to this so please go give us a great review on itunes and we'll see you on the next one